was not content to leave us separated because of our rebellion, but Jesus came to restore us. And many of us in here today, many people watching online, check it out, you've experienced that, that you were a leper, you were unfeeling, you were lost in your rebellion, and God came and got you and said, I'm going to put you back into the family. And that's what Leviticus 14 is about. It's not only about, oh, we inspected you, you got some issues, you are isolated. In the story of the prodigal son, a father takes back his son, a son who has done every vile thing you can imagine. This story is believable until we apply it to our own lives. So many of us struggle to believe that God could take us back after so many mistakes, big mistakes. But as Pastor Daniel explains today, God makes provisions for everyone. This section of Leviticus deals with physical healing, but we'll find the spiritual applications are profound. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Cleansing for Blemishes. All right, let's open up in those Bibles to the book of Leviticus, chapter 14. Leviticus, chapter 14, as we continue our study through the scriptures, you know, I was... Thinking this morning, I don't know about you, but every new year I begin to read through the Bible again in a year. I've been doing it for a number of years. I don't say that to say that I'm the man. I just got in that rhythm many, many years ago, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. And this morning, I was reminded once again of how awesome it is that we have the scriptures in our own heart language, that God loved us enough to say, I'm going to give you my word that you can partake of it and be nourished by it. And it's very easy in, in a culture like ours to take it for granted. Well, I don't like that translation. I like this translation. And, you know, I like this thing and that thing. And I like reading it on my phone. And, you know, and then you're, you're reminded that there's over 2 billion people on the globe who don't have access to God's word in, in their own heart language. And so I found myself kind of captivated this morning with just the beauty and the responsibility that we have as people who can read the Bible in our own language. And and then I started laughing because I was thinking about the fact that we're studying Leviticus chapter 14 this evening, which um, for a lot of people who have gone to church for a long time, they've absolutely never had someone teach them the book of Leviticus. And... I think there's a reason for that. (laughs) All of the scriptures is God-breathed. But it is true that not every section of scripture ministers to us in the same way. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, how many times have you just been having a rough day and you just grab your Bible and where do you, you open the Psalms, right? Because in the book of Psalms, every single human emotion is addressed in some way. But the last time you were having a bad day, you probably didn't open up to the middle of the book of Job, you know? And so God's word in its various sections and and types of literature there, not all of it ministers to us the same way. 
on the surface, but when we get down another layer deeper, you find that it's God's word and it nourishes your soul. If you think about it, if you, if you ponder it, if you, if you get down deep into what it means. And tonight, as we look at Leviticus 14, this is the second part of a, of a section that deals with all of these various skin diseases. I called them blemishes last week because that's the way our, you know, our culture doesn't want to talk about skin disease. We have blemishes. You know, it's kind of like the way our language works in Western culture. Like, we want to tone everything down. You know, you don't want to say, I got skin disease. Like, I have blemishes. All right? It used to be acne, and now it's like, I got blemishes. Because we, we, like, to, we like to soften the blow of what these things are. Right? But last week, we looked at all these different skin diseases. And what we found was that God ordained the priest not only to take care of the things in regards to the worship of God, but they also function in a way as health officials because God was very concerned for the life of his people. And he realized, and, and this is in a culture that sanitation and, and being sanitary was not the norm in that culture. It was long before we had, you know, hypoallergenic soaps and hand sanitizers and, and dish detergents and, you know, uh, laundry detergent and detergents I've never even heard of. It's long before that. But God wanted his people not only to live, but to flourish. And part of that was God making sure that the people were safe to come to worship. And so we found all these different types of skin blemishes, skin diseases, that if it was something on the surface, it was fine. But if it was deeper than a surface problem, then they were isolated to see if it was spreading or not. And then if it was spreading, then they were further isolated. And we made the point that all of these different skin diseases, leprosy, the concept that speaks to us of the same issue that we all have, the issue of sin. And the idea, leprosy and sin are, are Leprosy is a great picture of sin because it begins under the surface. It begins with almost no noticeable symptoms. But by the time it's full-blown, you're completely lost feeling, you're completely contagious, and you're dangerous. And each one of us have not a sin. We don't commit sins. Our problem is that our nature is given over to sin. That's the human condition according to the Bible. It's not we make mistakes. It's like at the core of who we are, we make mistakes by nature. And Jesus does not want to simply not let us commit sins. He wants to break the power of the sin nature in our hearts, which opens up the opportunity to have a life that is completely unique. And that's the difference between Jesus and every other spiritual teacher, every other philosopher, Every other philosopher will tell you, we want to change the way you live. And Jesus says, I'm going to change why you live. And that's a huge difference. I was just reading today about Aleister Crowley. I was looking at uh, the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band by the Beatles, and there's that little head of Aleister Crowley. And I was thinking about Aleister Crowley, and Aleister Crowley is still popular today. It's amazing. You read about Aleister Crowley. I don't know that you want to do it in your free time. I'd much have, rather you read your Bibles. But Aleister Crowley started all these occultic practices, his own religion, and he was completely a horrible person. He was misogynistic, he was racist, all these things, but people want to follow him. And it's fascinating that people, we want to follow people who can't get it right, 
And then Jesus comes and gets it all right, and we're like, I don't want that guy to, I don't want to follow that guy. And so Jesus came, lived, died, rose again to break sin's power in our lives. Now, why do I bring all this up? Because we go through all these things, all these skin diseases in Leviticus 13 and 14. You know what you find in 14? That when someone is cleansed of their skin disease, they are restored into the fellowship of the people. Ah, now check that out. God will separate people because of what's, in their, what's inside of them, but God's ultimate goal is to restore people back to the covenant community. And that's a huge thing. Because for most of us, when someone wrongs us, we write them off. They're gone. Sayonara. But God says that when you allow me to cleanse you of your brokenness, I want you back. And sure, you come back limping, struggling with hurts and hang-ups and habits and all this stuff. But just because you made some mistakes, just because you had a sin nature, once I've cleansed you, I want to restore you to the family of God. And that is the God of the Bible. That is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is the God who sent Jesus. Because God was not content to leave us separated because of our rebellion, but Jesus came to restore us. And many of us in here today, many people watching online, check it out, you've experienced that, that you were a leper, you were unfeeling, you were lost in your rebellion, and God came and got you and said, I'm going to put you back into the family. And that's what Leviticus 14 is about. It's not only about, oh, we inspected you, you got some issues, you are isolated. It's after those things get dealt with by God, now you are reintegrated into the family of God. And that's why Leviticus 14 is a gorgeous chapter, because it reminds us that our God is a restoring and a restorative God, that God, although sin separates us, God wants to bring us back, bring us home, restore us, to restore the years that the locusts have eaten, to Bring back what we squandered. You think about the prodigal son as a classic example of this from Luke's gospel. Remember the son, he, he wanted his inheritance early, even while his father was alive. He didn't want to live in his father's house anymore. He said, Dad, give me my portion of the inheritance. And the father said, okay, gave it to him. And the son went off and he blew it all. He squandered all of it. And he ended up, after all of the parties were over and all the money was spent, he ended up feeding pigs, which for a young Jewish man, was as bad as it got. As bad as it got. That was the worst possible job. And he's there, and he's starving, and he's looking at the piggy food, the pig pods. And he's lusting after them, because he's so hungry. And then, he, then it dawned on him, in my father's house, the servants eat better than I'm eating right now. And he had an idea, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go home. And the whole way home, he's rehearsing his script. This is what I'm going to say to my dad. Dad, I'm not worthy to be your son. I squandered everything. I screwed everything up. Just let me, I'm not your son. Just let me be a servant. And you guys remember what happened, right? The father is sitting, looking at the, at the, at the hillside. He sees his son come up. And the father gets up and he books to his son. Now you got to realize in that culture, men didn't run. Kind of a lot like today. You know, 
men did not run. A wealthy leader of a family was not going to run anywhere. Right? And the father gets up. And before the, the son can get anything out, the father falls on him and kisses his neck and starts calling, hey, man, kill the fatted calf and, and get this guy a shower, man, and give him some new clothes and put a ring on his finger. My son, who was dead, is alive again. He was lost. He's found again. And that's exactly what God has done for each one of us, those of you who find yourself in Christ today. Just like that prodigal son, we took the inheritance, we got this life, and we squandered it. We wasted it. And at some point, we thought to ourselves, we need to go back to our father. And what's funny is when you come back to, to the father, he doesn't say, well, listen, man, yeah, you, you wasted everything I gave you. Yeah, you could be my, you could be my help, you know. No. He throws a party. He rejoices that you're home. That's what Leviticus 14 is about. It's about people who were completely isolated from God, completely isolated from the community of faith being restored. And God makes provision for restoration. And if you're in here today, or you're listening online, or you know, and you're just thinking, there's no way, there's no way God would accept me back again. I'm here to tell you that that's not the voice of your loving father. That's not, that's not who he is. He loves you, and he knows everything about you. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your mistakes. He's not afraid of your rebellion. He knew all about it. Jesus became all of that at the cross, and he conquered it. So come home today. Come home today. God has made provision for you to come home. Now, let's see how it works out in the lives of these people who have these illnesses that have separated. So Leviticus 14, verse 1 then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, verse four, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed to living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and he shall let the living bird loose in the open field." Now, notice what happens. When somebody who has been diagnosed with this skin disease, and they're out of the camp, and they find that they've been healed, they call for the priest. And notice the priest leaves the camp. He leaves the camp to go meet them. Why? Because they're outside the camp for protection. They don't want the disease to spread, so they're isolated outside the camp. But notice that the priests of God go outside the camp to go meet the people who are isolated on their own turf. Now, obviously, I'm going to make an, an application for that. Because, brothers and sisters, if you're here tonight, if you go to church, if you're born again, you love God, you need to go outside the camp and meet people where they are. And the church lost that along the way. 
And I'm not saying, I mean, the church in general. There was a time when people just, I mean, I want to get right with God. I'm going to go to church. The pastor would preach the gospel, and people would get saved. Now, when people want to get right, they don't go to church. And the key for us is we need to bring the church to them. We need to leave the safety of our family, and we all do it every day, don't we? We go out into the world, but we want to go and meet people where they are, right where they are. Now, it doesn't mean we need to sin that we may reach them, but we need to be willing to go on out and say, hey, listen, you should come on back. You should, we're going to be friends. We're going we're to spend some time together. The priest went out to, the, to where the people who were isolated were to check them out on their turf. And so what that means, if you're a student, man, you're a missionary. If you have a job, you're a missionary, even if you work at a church. We're all missionaries. We're outreaching people in the name of Jesus. We're loving them on their terms. We're not trying to say, listen, you need to get all together. And No, man, we just go meet them right where they are, and we speak to them, and we love them, we care about them, and we look out for them. And we're light, not because we say that you should say that, you should do that. We just simply love them right where they are. When they say, hey, so I don't understand what's going on. You say, well, can I tell you? I remember when I was in the Bay Area and I was playing music, you know, as I was planning, I was passing two churches and it was a very expensive place to live. I was playing gigs and it was so fun because I had all these guys who they'd be like, oh, Pastor, you know, Daniel, they call you the pastor, don't they, on Sundays? I'm like, yeah, like, well, we're not going to call you that. I love that, you know, they're sticking it to me, you know. They might call you pastor on Sunday, you're just the bass player tonight. And then, and then they would say things like, well, we're never going to your church. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I brought the church right here to this club, you know. But you know what's funny, though? And I don't say this to pat myself on the back. It's just my experience. Every time something went wrong in their life, who did they call? Yeah. And I would say to them, I'm like, look, do you really want my opinion or you just want me to just feel bad for you right now? And I'm from New Jersey, so I can get away talking that way. You know, it's part of my charm, you know. And they would say, no, I really want to know what you think. I remember one guy, he was living with a girl. It was, fell apart. He was brokenhearted. And I'm like, well, you, you know what the problem is. I'm like, you're pretending like you're married. You're not married. That's the problem. I'm like, so you got to have all this stuff together. You're not married. You never made a commitment to each other. You know why it hurts? Because not only did this not work, but you guys did all sorts of things that you weren't supposed to do. And now you're like, I don't know what to do with myself. He's like, so what are you saying is I shouldn't live with women? I'm like, yeah, you're right. You should make a commitment. I mean, before you make a commitment, you should be, like, be a good guy. Like, how many women have you lived with in the time that we've been friends? He looks at me. You know? Because, you know, it's amazing. Some of you grew up in the church. You guys never did anything wrong. And, man, we say praise God for you. You know? And I mean, like, praise God. Like, like, you're blessed. But I realize that people who grew up in the church, like, they have their own faith journey. When you grow up around it all the time, it's not always easy to make your faith your own because you're so used to it. Right? But for those of us who didn't spend our upbringing honoring God, you know the emptiness of rebellion against God. We've all experienced it in our lives, right? Like where you're just somewhere and you're like, I, I can't believe I'm here. Like this is what I wanted and it's leaving me dry, hanging. And the beauty is, is that when us as priests of the Most High God, a kingdom of priests, a holy people, when we go out into the world, the proof of the loss that comes from living in rebellion against God is evident in the people who are doing it, and they feel it. They feel the tension because they know that they were created for more than that. 
How many of us, before we came to faith, even before somebody even told us it was wrong, we were struggling with the existential dilemma of what we were doing and how it made us feel, that this wasn't fulfilling, this isn't what I wanted. I'm doing what I want to do and it's not really what I want. Why do I get what I want and I get nothing? Why is this the case? So our presence there, we're simply there to catch the fruit that's gonna fall off the tree because it's already empty and they know it. But what most people don't have is they don't have people who love God around them so when it's time for them to fall, they'll be like, hey, listen, man. God loves you. God's for you. God took care of you because we isolate ourselves. But the priests go out of the camp. They go meet with them where they are, right? And he examines them. And if the leper's healed, then there's the cleansing ritual. Take for him who is cleansed two living and clean birds, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. So we have two wild living birds and then cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. And what you have is that one of the birds is sacrificed because, remember, we've been talking about this the whole time, the, the reality of the sacrifice, that because the wages of sin is death, in order for sins to be forgiven, somebody needs to pay the price. Now, people struggle with that today because they're like, oh, those poor birds or those poor goats or those poor lambs. But as I always say, forgiveness always costs somebody something. It always does. That's the way it works. When all those banks had liquidity problems, when all the banks failed, somebody had to fill in the gap and the government decided to do it. Or they let certain banks fail. And because those banks were big, they got that opportunity. A lot of us lost a lot of stuff because there was nobody willing to die. And so we had to deal with that end of it. But in order to bring things together, forgiveness always costs somebody something. And ultimately, all the sacrifices point to God's ultimate sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, the blood that cleanses once for all, God's own provision. All of the animals were precursors. They were meant to be symbols and types of God's ultimate cleansing. And so in order for somebody who was separated from the people to be returned into the covenant community, a bird, and now again, it's a wild bird, and so the idea is it couldn't have been a pet because, again, they're concerned, obviously, about the health if they're uh, an animal or a caged animal within it. So birds, and then one would be killed over running water. Again, all of this is, how many of you guys know that you shouldn't drink standing water, right? Only running water. You guys know this, right? Why? Because when it's something standing still, it gets nasty, right? But if it's running, it's got a self-purifying aspect to it. So the bird is killed, the blood over running water, and then it's all applied to the person as they are brought back into the covenant community. Now, it's beautiful here because the selection of two clean birds speaks of the renewed state of cleanness in the healed person. So you have these clean birds, they're sacrificed. This is the cleansing ritual for reintegration. Now, look at what happens in verse 8. It says, he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. Jesus is real. When we go out into the world as believers, we need to be willing to meet people where they are. 
Pastor Daniel told how the priests went out to meet the people in the midst of their sickness in order to help them heal. As lights for Jesus, we go to people for the same reason. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to take us through the rituals performed by the priests in instances of disease. There were symbolic acts associated with health, a process of cleansing. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Cleansing. Till then, may God bless.